And you are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We've come into the second hour of the show. It is kind of overcast here in Newcastle, but we are glad you are with us. And before we get into text message or our Bible study or whatever it may be, we are going to have another clue for the quiz. So, the next clue. The Philistine rulers, the Philistine rulers were the ones who paid me. So this person was paid to find out and subdue one of the judges of Israel. And the Philistinian rulers were the ones who paid me. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the correct answer. Your name will go into the draw to win the Bible study companion boxed set, the Conflict of the Ages set where you can read all about amazing... You can actually read about the story. That, you know, t- telling you right now, you can read about it in depth, really bring it to life. Uh, but 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Fantastic stuff. Okay, let's uh, see if you can get the answers to that one. And right now we're going to talk about what you've been talking about. So we've got mm. text messages to read. Uh, Braden says those solar panels serve two purposes. They reduce water loss due to That's evaporation. Right. Mm. So that's a very, very... We need to be looking at that here in Australia. Yeah, and I think that's another... That's, like, why it's beneficial to put in a dam rather than just in the ocean because if water loss in the ocean, who who cares? That's right. Uh, We want water loss in the the ocean because water loss in the ocean means it's going to rain. That's absolutely correct. Uh, But... Yeah, in terms of the dams, like we can, and the, you know, this is, it's interesting because like LA have already come up with a system to prevent water loss, which is they put all the, like these black beads in, yes. in the water, in like the dams and stuff. But I'm like, why? Yeah, just sit solar panels on top of it and you get free energy. That's right. Bam. Um, this one's a strongly worded one. So once again, we're talking about the issue of abortion this morning. And if this is something that is uh, is triggering for you, 131114 is the lifeline number. We do encourage you to give that number a call because we know that there are a lot of people uh, who have made decisions that have deeply impacted their lives and we want to be aware of that. Okay, in regards to the abortion terrorists, they are nothing more. It is appalling that these same people will almost sacrifice their life for other causes such as the protection of the environment or animals but to protect the right to life of their own species, they want their own choice. Then choose not to procreate. And if in the case of rape, there are alternatives. You can't buy a car, drive it for nine months and then try and return it. Abortion is nothing less than murder, unless they're concerns for the health of the mother, but they should have faith in God. Sorry for the long message, but it really makes me angry with this. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's the point that we made at the end. It's like this, this, the overturning of Roe versus Wade doesn't mean that abortion will just become like across the board criminalized. No, not at all. Um, and there are always concessions for exceptional circumstances. So yeah, like we'll see. There you go. Okay. So welcome back, Lyle. We did miss you. It's glad. I'm, I'm glad to see that somebody's missed me while I was away. Wow. Okay. <laughs> got, got, got two text messages welcoming me back. Okay, uh, cancer kills uh, 10 million people worldwide in 2020. Many cancers can be cured if detected early and treated mm. effectively. Info by uh, World Health Organization. The new invention should really help in detecting cancers sooner and hopefully save lives. Brace mm. going. Uh, Ethiopia, the new wave of... Oops, the, the new wave... Of violence, why would anyone attack a funeral procession? I that know, was wild. That is terrible. like such a gnarly and, and story. It's, and it's so awful when, you know, it's Christians, which is, you know, kind of our tribe. Yeah. But that's embarrassing. It, wherever, wherever wrong is, it needs to be called out. Mm. Mm. And that is absolutely wrong. 
especially if they were Christians, no glory there to God. Uh, was it Protestants or Catholics? <laughs> it would be most. It would be highly unlikely if it was anything other than uh, Ethiopian Orthodox. Yeah, uh, because but anyway, mm. uh, we don't actually really know. Mm. Uh, actually, in that part of Ethiopia, there would be a higher, much higher percentage of um, evangelical Christians. Mm. But then, at the same time, like, but not Roman Catholics. But yeah, because this sounds like very territorialist, and so oh, yes. and so, I'm I, I I I would struggle to imagine it's evangelical Christians because they're seen by everyone else. Like evangelical Christian groups can often be seen by like the Orthodox or the Muslims or the Catholics as like in, a minority, a minority and invasive. Yes, so an invasive minority, an invasive minority. So so why would it then be them attacking? other Christians territorially because they would just get absolutely stomped by the majority of the rest of the population. So, yeah. But, you know, we're just, we're just spitballing here. We're just trying to come we up are. with theories. We don't know. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the tragedy is the word Christian is attached to it and you can't unattach it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sad. Uh, the Bible says Babylon is fallen. Mm. We should expect the corruption of Christianity and we should not defend corruption within Christianity mm. when corruption arises at the end of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin, the Jane's Revenge uh, attacks, it doesn't get better, does it? Demons rule, and it goes to kill unborn children. I wonder if they complain about losing your job if they don't get jabbed. More and more reports are coming out, uh, even from World Health Organization, on damage it causes to humanity. That also affects your body, selective blindness to issues. It has been an interesting uh, debate because, you know, the whole jab debate focused on bodily autonomy and uh, the same group that was the strongest in enforcing the jab is the strongest about claiming bodily autonomy now that abortion is under threat. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do you believe in bodily autonomy or not? But Which one is it? You can't have both. At the same time, it's kind of accused the other way. I had a friend recently on Facebook sharing their pro-life views and then someone in their comments was like, this is such a double standard. You are so like pro, um, you know, anti-vax and like pro autonomy, but now you're saying that they should take away the right to abortion. Like, so it goes the other way as well. But I think the the point that that like a pro life person would make is that it's not our body. Exactly. Yeah, I'm all for a body body autonomy. Yeah, uh, don't touch don't touch somebody else's body. That's right. Somebody else's body is inside of you. Don't touch it. Uh, yeah. It's not yours. Correct. It's Correct. somebody else's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, creation ministers, moon does not exist. These scientists are That's geniuses. That's so funny. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> All they have to do is close their eyes and voila, it's not there. <laughs> Anything goes so they don't have to believe in God or creation week and yet nature is the second book God gave us to lead us to himself. Mm. Seek God before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like the euthanasia bill will go through in New South Wales. No surprise there. If they only checked what's happening in countries where it was, it has been law for many years, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Apparently that was on the news just now. And uh, yes, all you've got to do is look at every other country that's gone down this path and you know that this is a slippery slope. Yeah. Everyone says it's not and we have the most robust laws on the planet. Well, the fact is... There is no country in which euthanasia laws have been passed where it hasn't been a slippery slope. And so if our country or our state, it doesn't end up being a slippery slope, then it'll be a first. Yeah. 
I remember it was actually one of the first stories I ever talked about on Faith FM in 2018 was the story of a 16-year-old girl in the Netherlands who, you know, they, they that had been a country where euthanasia had been in practice for about 10 years by that time. And at the beginning, you know, it starts off with good intentions. But then by that point, yeah, a 16-year-old girl had used the euthanasia system to take her own life. Yes. And it's the... For depression. For depression. Uh, not for she doesn't have like a like a deadly disease no. or she's not cancer ridden or whatever like literally she is depressed she's struggling and we 100% absolutely sympathize with her and her situation and how much yes. of a struggle that can yes. be we totally agree um but the government has made it okay in legislation for her to to murder herself and that is that is tragic that is awful but uh anyways Final text message here says, welcome back. All is right in the world again. Just got to say that all will be right in the world again when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back. That's right. (laughs) But thank you for the thoughts. Thank you for the thoughts. It's much appreciated. Stop putting Lyle on a pedestal, guys. It's good to feel the love, guys. You'll get sick of him soon again. You know, I just got to mention I received a pastoral call last night, which was unusual. I think that's the first time I've ever received a pastoral call. Somebody inquiring after my uh, my my health as, wow. as a result of not having been on air. So that was pretty awesome. That's wow! You were being oh, ministered so, so, so to. Pastor Ernst, first time ever. First time ever. I don't know, Pastor Ernst. Have you ever had a uh, pastoral call from a a, a a pastor just checking up on your wealth and well being? Um, don't think so. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. As pastors, wow. as okay. pastors, we do this for a job. Yeah. But nobody ever calls I us. A, I had a mem- member come and visit me. Once. Oh, nice! Okay, mm-hmm. that was cool. Uh, but that yeah. was many years ago. That was like fifteen years ago. Yeah. <laughs> My last about interaction time, was fifteen years ago. That's the last time list. someone cared about me. The law said, "When are you coming over, mate?" Ah, <laughs> oh, true. Wow, putting the heat on me. Okay, okay, I see how it is. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, so from a group of pastors here in the studio this morning, just uh, remember that your pastors are human beings as well. They might enjoy a visit. They might enjoy a phone call, a welfare check. Mm-hmm. Not such a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Pizza. Because, uh, Don't check on me. <laughs> Pizza. Neglect me. That My, my love language Ernst, is Ernst, neglect. Ernst That's is going to be dying from some dread disease, and he's like, Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza. That might not be the healthiest choice there. <laughs> but, but pizza's delivery. It works. Yeah, I guess someone could buy it for you. You know, that's that's so this also is, helpful. This is how Ernst gets himself a visit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they come over unless you bring a pizza. Yes. <laughs> the like pizza guys at the door, and you're like, "So how's your day been?" Like, let's say, yeah, anyways, where's the pizza? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, all right, well, we're we're in the book of Genesis. We are. We're making our way through it. We're getting it absolutely done. And um, well, Lyle, welcome back. We've been Thank you. we've been going through the book of Genesis, and we've just finished up chapter fifteen. So yesterday we looked at the covenant, we looked at the confirmation of the covenant, we looked at God's promise, you know, through His actions that He would be the one that would be yes. that would be fulfilling the covenant. And even though Abraham and the rest of humanity would fail, He would take their place in dying for them. So cool. really amazing, really powerful. So today uh, we jump into uh, Galatians. Uh, like no, I thought we no, just I go. Thought, to, I thought I, I thought, thought you said we just did Genesis fifteen. Yeah, so we go to which means we go to Galatians, right? Yeah, but like <laughs> no, I, I thought we're up to like Genesis 16? sixteen. 
Because it comes after 15. That's right. Yeah. We're trying to make our I way. I really to- want to go to Galatians. We could, but then we'd be sidetracking ourselves and then we'd fall behind like we always do. <laughs> <laughs> and we covered it pretty sufficiently yesterday. And we've already- Have co- you already done Galatians? No. Well, not Galatians, <laughs> but like the covenant. And we already did the covenant. We already What's did that when we studied the book of Hebrews. Thing against Galatians? I have nothing against Galatians. Line, I have nothing against Galatians, but it's just that, look, we're, we're powering through this. We're actually keeping up with the 20 million movement. Which oh is, really? Which is rare. Which is rare for this us. Is what Usually when we're, not in the studio, we're getting right? bogged down and we're 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 sidetracking. Not that we don't have good and important things to say, but we're like we covered the covenant yesterday. We covered how beautiful and amazing it was, and how God's doing everything. Look, if you really want to go to Galatians, we can. But at the same time, we have this another this next chapter, chapter sixteen. It's staring at me on the page right now, just asking to be read and discussed and studied through. I just got a text message. What did it say? It says we love you, Lyle. <laughs> wow! You, you, you and Ernst didn't get one, did you? Yeah, that's right. That's so. That's so, wait, wait, hold on. Let me check my phone. Um, yeah, nah, nah, no, nothing on there. My mum sent me that text message last night. In fact, okay. you know, it's, uh, that's 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 yeah. At least, <laughs> at least there's one person. <laughs> and Marsha's uh, not not Marsha. Ernst is married to Marsha, so you know. Yes. We're not looking for sympathy from anyone else. No. <laughs> All right, let's get into our Bible study. <clears throat> Genesis 16. Okay, okay. We can read Genesis 16 before we go to Galatians. About that. <laughs> okay. I really want to go to Galatians. All right, Genesis 16. Yes. Okay, so let's uh, let's start in verse 1. The Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian's servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after he had settled in the land of Canaan. Okay, so this is a really interesting story because, you know, Abraham has been given this promise by God where God has said you're going to be the father of, you know, more people than you Mm -hmm. can... than there are grains of sand on the seashore. Or stars Mm. in the sky. Or stars in the sky. Mm. And it's not working out. Mm-hmm. Sarah is long past the point of being able to have children. And so Sarah and Abraham come up with this idea. It's like, okay, let's help God out with this. Uh, you know, God's, God's given this promise. Let's give him a bit of a hand with it, make sure it comes true. Mm-hmm. So let's help God out. Let's, let's obey God by committing adultery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like a very human kind of thing to do, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I'm going to do this because I want to do this, um, which is wrong. But you know, I've got a justification for it. Uh, but this mm. is coming from 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 the wife as well. Like, it, yeah, it, oh yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. It was. It actually is inst- instigated by. But it's yeah, the wife is like, yeah, you should you should sleep around. I love that and verse in verse two where it says, "And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah." Mm. It's like, eh, was he kind of keen or like? <laughs> Well, it's, not, it's not like wow. It's not like you find. It's this like no sh- way. I am not doing that at all. It's like yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, let's do this. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's heavy. It's very heavy. Yeah. Um. And you know, in this situation, of course, uh, Hagar would no doubt have been a young girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, somebody in this position would have been uh, obviously a lot younger than what. Sarah was? Yeah. Even if, she, mm. like, I don't know, she's obviously at the age of, like, being able to conceive and give birth, and she's probably, I don't know, maybe older than 18, but these guys are, like, 90. 
Yeah, that's right. Mm. And you kind of wish, you kind of wish at this particular point that you had this, you know, at the very least you wish that you had this statement where, you know, Abraham's like, no, let it be far from me. Mm. And But mm. Sarah, his wife, impressed him and so he did. No. It's just like, mm. yeah. Sarah just comes along with this idea and he's like, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, let's, let's get it done. And I wonder how much of, I wonder how much choice Hagar had in this situation. We don't know. I mean, mm. it was a great opportunity for her in many ways to be married to, you know, to be basically going from a servant girl to the wife of a very wealthy, very powerful mm. uh, individual. Mm. Mm. So there would definitely have been some aspects to it that would be attractive. But at the same time, there would be aspects that would not be attractive as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, does does she? How much of a choice does she actually have? You know, you've got a big, mm. you've got a massive power imbalance here mm. between a servant girl who is, you know, one step above being a slave, mm. and uh, one of the most powerful individuals in the region. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but you can also just see in their their reasoning, like this is just yeah presumption gone wild on steroids this is like just you yes, know we're going to obey god we're going to help god out this is going to be a good thing that's right we're going to do that by uh breaking the ten commandments exactly mm. yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and it's it's something i've mentioned on the show before that there's that classic quote you know faith is uh using the promises of god to obey him and presumption is using the promises of god to disobey him and we see that just clearly here yeah we're going to commit adultery for god which is for yikes Let's see how well this goes. Ernst, why don't you read for us verse 4, 5, and 6. 4, 5, and 6, it goes on and says, So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Yeah, this did not go well. Mm. That is awful. This did not go well. I mean, hey, try polygamy and see how that's going to go for you. This is a disastrous situation (laughs) Mm. right here. And, of course, you know, Hagar has gone from being the servant girl Mm. to being the wife of Abraham. Mm. Mm-hmm. Along with Sarah. And so now Abraham has a young wife and an old wife. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the young wife can produce offspring. Yes. And the old wife can't. And yes. it hasn't been able to, not only in her old age, but it hasn't been able to for a really long time because they've been er, like they've been in her married for like a really long time. So I'd love to interview some ladies right now and just ask the question, you know, what kind of insecurities are you going to feel if you are the old wife? Mm. Mm. Or alternatively, what kind of insecurities are you going to feel if you're the second young wife? Mm. You know, this is going to mess with both of these women's heads so badly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And Abraham tries to come up with a solution. Is like, well, um, okay, you can be hard on Hagar, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, as a result mm. of it, says Hagar treats Sarah with contempt. Sarah. Yes. Yes. Well, she's just been elevated uh-huh. and she's no longer a servant girl, so she's not going to respond to Sarah. You know, Sarah says, do this. She's like, no, I'm I'm, I'm Abraham's wife. I'm not your servant girl anymore. Wow. Mm. 
You know, I'm, I'm the one who's taking care of his child. We have a child together. I have responsibilities here. She's going to stand up to Sarah and say no. And she has every right to do so mm. because she is Abraham's wife. Mm. So you can see how that friction just grew incredibly quickly. And all right, so what's Abraham going to do? I mean, he comes up with a solution here. It's a terrible, terrible solution. What's he going to do? I mean, I, I can't even begin to imagine what I would do if I was in a situation like that. How do you actually go about sorting that out? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, guys. You're listening to The Breakfast <laughs> Show here on Faith FM. Not sure where we were there for a moment, but uh, we are here now. That's the main thing. Lawson, let's have a clue for our quiz. <laughs> the very final and last clue for the quiz. I found the secret to Samson's strength. Who might that have been? If he knows, oh, and and I guess it's not on the card, but another clue. This person was also, this was like an undercover spy lover kind of story. So zero four nine one zero six. That's the word. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If you know the answer, if you know who this is, you can get an entry to go into the jaw to win the Conflict of the Ages Bible Study Companion Boxed Set. Five amazing, incredible, wonderful commentaries on the Bible from Genesis all the way through to the very end of time. And we'll give it to you completely for free, provided you answer the question correctly. And by the way, if you answer like every single quiz correctly every single day, the more chances you have of winning the prize because we draw it completely randomly. But 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. Okay, text message coming through here says if Abraham didn't go to Egypt during the drought in Canaan, the issue with Hagar would not exist as she True. was a gift. From, she was a gift from she Pharaoh. Was Egyptian. Yeah. Mm. He never asked God if he should have gone to Egypt, and of course he messed up epically uh, when he did go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Muslim nation would not have existed. Slight correction on that: the Arabian nation would not have existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know whether Islam would have existed or not, but Islam is not a nation. Um, the Arabs are the descendants of that's right of Hagar. Mm-hmm. Um, God said he would be a wild man, and he wasn't wrong, was he? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So interesting interesting observations right there. Uh, we would wonder who would be populating uh, the Arabian Peninsula if... We would. Maybe we would. Yeah. Maybe we would. Potentially. Yeah. I, I'm, like, I'm like really white, so maybe not, but like, you know, I'd probably be nestled up in Europe still if I wasn't in Australia, but, you know, the... Browner folk could probably be around that. Maybe, that maybe, maybe it would have been. Maybe that's where all the white people would have come from. <laughs> okay. Would have got a good team. <coughs> ah, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, okay. uh, where did we get up to? We were okay. So let's. Uh, yeah, we were in uh, Genesis chapter sixteen. So let's go to Galatians chapter four. Okay, Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four. Ernst, if you could uh, read for us. Uh, start in verse 21. Before we start reading there, we just need to summarise what we've covered so far. So you've got Abraham and Sarah who decide that they're going to obey God, they're going mm. to fulfil God's command, uh, that they are going to be the parents of a great nation, and so they decide to to obey God, not on God's terms, but on mm. their terms. Mm. And so they're like, well, we're going to do it this way because we think this is the way we should obey God. Mm. Mm. All right, let's have a read here, Galatians chapter 4. Paul, start in verse 21 for us there, please. Verse 21 says the following. Uh, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, 
the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. And let's just sort of... Uh, oh, sorry, it, it does go on and say that these two things are an allegory, I think, in the next, uh, mm, next line. Symbolic. Yeah, yeah, it says, uh, yeah, these two women serve as an illustration of God's two <coughs> covenants. Okay, so you've got, you've, got the, you've got two women, you've got two sons. You've got uh, Ishmael and you've got Isaac. And the Bible says that these two are symbols of God's two covenants. Mm. So let's look at the difference between the two because in both of them you've got Abraham and Sarah desiring, motivated to obey God. Mm. Right. So the motivation is to obey God. Mm. The difference between the two is that in one they do it on their terms and in the other they do it on God's terms. Mm. So with with Ishmael, they obey God according to, well, how they think is the best way to obey God. Mm. With Isaac, they don't question what God says. They just do what he says. Mm. And God works miraculously. Okay, so which one's going to be symbolic of the Old Covenant? Which one's going to be symbolic of the New Covenant? Well, the the new covenant is going to be like, yeah, that's like the promise. That's like the good one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the old covenant's the Isaac. bad one. So, <laughs> Good one. New covenant is the good one. Okay, that's Isaac. Mm-hmm. The old covenant is the bad one, which is Ishmael. So I want, you, I want you to notice something here. In both of these two covenants, obedience is an issue. Yes. Mm. The law doesn't change between either of these covenants. Mm. You know, the law that says thou shalt not commit adultery hasn't changed between either of these covenants. Mm. The motivation of Abraham and Sarah is obviously to obey God. So then, you know, you could, well, question it, but you could say that their motivation was in the right place both times. But their methodology of obeying God was different. So mm. obedience, the, 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 the obedience is, is, is there in both. But the methodology is different because in one, they obey God on their terms. On the other, they obey God on God's terms. Mm. So this is important to understand the covenants because a lot of people say, no, no, the covenant, you know, when the, the old covenant just does away with the law of God. Has the law of God been done away with, with in, in, in this uh, illustration that we have right here? Uh, no. No. Thou shalt not commit adultery is, stays the same in both. Mm-hmm. But when Abraham and Isaac try and obey the law of God on their terms, they break the law. Mm. That's the old covenant. Mm. The old covenant is breaking the law. Mm. When they try and obey God on God's terms, that's the new covenant. Mm. So the new covenant is keeping the law. Mm. The new covenant is not doing away with the law. This is the really important thing, and this is why Paul has put this in here as an illustration of these two covenants because you know he goes on to talk about um, you know, Jerusalem and so forth, and we'll read that in just a moment. Okay, so then let's bring this same illustration and apply it to an issue that is close to our hearts as Seventh-day Adventists because, you know, this station is um, owned by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And one of the things that is significant about Seventh-day Adventists is that we worship on the Sabbath day, mm-hmm. on Saturday, which is, you know, the biblical day of worship. A lot of people would then turn around and accuse us, oh, you're under the Old Covenant because you're obeying the law. Mm-hmm. So why do you worship on Sunday? Well, I worship on Sunday because it's more convenient. I worship on Sunday because, you know, any day in seven is good enough for God. I worship Mm. on Sunday because I think that's how I should worship God. Mm. But is that how God says that you should worship God? Mm. Sunday is you 
worshipping God the way that you think is best. Mm. That's salvation by works. Mm. Yes. That's old covenant. Mm. Yeah. Worshipping on Sabbath is you worshipping God on the seventh day, Saturday, Sabbath, is you worshipping God according to God's commandments. Mm. Mm. And what God says without questioning it. Mm. That's grace. Mm. That's that's true love for God because true love does not question what God says. True love does not try and change what God says. True love just says, just reads what God says, acknowledges what God says, and does mm. what God says. Mm. Mm. And I think so. Then the important thing to to think about because ultimately, like in the insinuation that the old covenant is done away with, it, it, people then. Uh, attach that to an idea or a concept called dispensationalism that people were saved in the past by keeping the law on their own merit and strength and they're saved now by being absolutely free from the law and doing everything they want because now they have grace. But the reality is is God has saved people the same way through all time. Yes. He has always mm-hmm. saved people That's right. by the death of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Um, this is like 100%. And how do we know that? Because the first covenantal promise that we receive in the Bible in Genesis 3.15 is all about what God would do to destroy sin. He, ne- he didn't say in that covenant, oh, yeah, and you'll overcome sin by keeping the law of God. No. All the way through, it has always been that God is the one doing the work. And that's what we covered yesterday as we looked at um, the covenant between Abraham and God. God is the one who said that I would be responsible for this covenant, and he was. And he was. So God is always the one putting himself in the driver's seat. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is, in Daniel 9, verse 26, it says, The end shall be with a flood. This is after Noah's flood when God promised not to flood the world again. So what does this mean? Okay, so if you look at the uh, passage there from verse 24 to 27, this is written in Hebrew poetry, and the, and the concept behind re- Hebrew poetry is repetition. And so you're going to have the same thoughts that are being repeated all the way down through. And so, for instance, in uh, verse 24 there, 70 weeks are determined upon your city, upon your people and your city to finish transgression, make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision, prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So you've got two big thoughts that are coming through here in verse 24. One is the city and the temple, and the other is the Messiah. You move on to the next verse, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem, there's your city and temple, unto Messiah, there's your Messiah, the uh, prince shall... the, the uh, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And so you've got this repetition of thought. Your two themes is uh, city and temple and Messiah. City and temple, Messiah. Okay, verse 26, here we go. Um, after uh, 62 weeks shall Messiah, so there's your Messiah, be cut off but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and into the end of the war desolations are determined. Up until this particular point, we know that we have been dealing with the Messiah and the city and temple. That's Jerusalem and its temple. And so it would be highly unusual at this particular point to assume that this is anything other than Jerusalem and the temple. And you would have a real hard time putting anything in there other than Jerusalem and its temple. And so we ask ourselves the question, after Messiah was cut off, in other words, after Jesus died on Calvary, uh, did a prince come that destroyed the city and the sanctuary? The answer is yes. We have the Roman general Titus who came in 70 AD. This is after Jesus died in 31 AD. And he destroyed the city and he destroyed the temple. And there were desolations, 
the Bible says, and the Bible says that he would come with a flood. And so the question here is, why does the Bible use the word flood in this particular instance? And what is the context of that? What does it actually mean? Clearly, it's not the worldwide flood uh, because God said that that would never happen again. And so we ask ourselves the question, does Jerusalem ever suffered from a local flood? And once again, the answer is no. no, You don't have rivers running through Jerusalem. There's nothing there to flood. Mm. It is situated on a mountaintop. It is a fortress city. And so, you know, I don't think Jerusalem's ever even had flash flooding. It's just, you know, too steep. Uh, It's just the complete wrong geography for that. And so what are they talking about here? What is the Bible talking about when it says that the end there will be with a flood? Okay, I want you to notice here that this flood is associated with the prince who comes, invades Palestine, destroys the city and the temple and desolates it. So this flood is in the context of an invasion. What you're going to find is that the word flood in the Bible is symbolic of a military invasion. So let's just uh, flick over to Isaiah um, chapter 59 and verse 19 as an example of this, where the Bible says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Notice here, how does the enemy come? The enemy comes like a flood. In other words, a flood is an event that overruns the land around it, and when the enemy comes in and overruns uh, your positions, then that is described as being like a flood. Interesting that the word Euphrates actually means the flood or flooding river. And, you know, the Bible talks about the drying up of the river Euphrates in Revelation 16. And we, could, we could wax eloquent on that for quite some time, which we don't actually have right now. But one of the things that we like to remind you about is that it's important to spend time studying the Bible uh, for yourself. And so if you'd like help with that, then give us a call right here. We can make that happen for you. We can find somebody to study the Bible with you. Um, or even a small group to join, and that's always a good thing to do. But right now we want to remind you to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.